Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show today. So excited, as always, to be here with you. And I just realized just before that said, and here's your host, Laura Stewart, that I forgot to put my Plexicam on today. And for those of you who have been watching my show for a while, you'll know that I love this Plexicam and it takes my camera and puts it to the middle of the screen so I don't have to look strange while I'm looking all over the screen. So we're just going to kind of go with it because one of the things I teach often throughout this show is, you know, we tend to worry about things that really don't matter to the levels we think they matter. And we sometimes don't focus on the things that really do matter as much as they should matter. Okay. And I hate the word should, but I think in this time it's really kind of appropriate. So forgetting about the Plexican, forgetting about where my eyes go. For those of you who are not listening to the audio only, you are watching this live stream or watching the recording of the video of the show because we do this both video and audio only as well. I've got an incredible guest for you today who's been on the show before back when I was on broadcast radio and this is her first live stream show with me and I'm excited because I've been doing some projects for Marcella for a while and I've been volunteering a lot with some different things that she's had going on because I really believe in something that Marcella Allison truly deeply believes in, that the best way for women to close the success gap is to help each other. I've been very fortunate throughout the course of my life to have amazing mentors, both women and men, who have helped lift me up, guide me, kick me in the butt when I was heading down a path that didn't make a lot of sense, but to me it did at the time, but they taught me new questions to ask. So I'm going to bring Marcella Allison on camera today, and we're going to talk today about how women, and you know what, if you're a man listening to the show, men can close the success gap as well, and why mentoring is something critically important to success. So let's bring Marcella onto the show who, oh my God, I just love seeing you all the time. And I know we're like deep diving in you and I a lot lately. <laughs> I know. I think I see you more than my husband lately. It's been crazy. <laughs> it's been crazy. Oh, man. You know, I, one of the things I love about working with you, Marcella, is I, I feel like it's a massive lesson in something you're really great at, which is copy, right? Because you're one of the world's top copywriters designing copy that sells things all the time. But then you, you've taught me this idea that copy is important, but the feelings behind the copy are even more important. And that oftentimes we feel that things that we do have to be perfect. Right. But what is perfect? Right. Oh. You know, I'm doing this project where, with, with you where we're creating this new community for all of the members to use. And you keep going, Laura, I know you have this idea of perfection. <laughs> and, and I laugh because I've so curtailed my ideas of perfection around this, but yet you keep saying perfection's not important. I'm like, okay, so how does that differ from person to person? Mm. And what does one person think of as perfection and another? And how can we meet 
and in its own way, close that success gap so that everybody's on the same page. So what I'd love to do is start out today's show talking about this idea of success gaps and why it's important for us to know that. You know, it's really interesting. So as we were preparing for the closing the success gap event, I've been interviewing all of these amazing women uh, on each of these gaps. And I had a amazing interview with Laurel Ann Stark. She's the founder of Resurgo. Uh, they're building a mental health um, app for female entrepreneurs, one of the first to kind of check in on all the things. And the idea that she brought up to me that made so much sense to me is that we have to give up the idea that it's a level playing field. It simply isn't, right? All the data shows, you know, men have more access to capital. They have more access to mentors. Like we could just go through all the things. But here's the thing. We never give ourselves any grace for that. We actually say, and this is, she and I were laughing on the call. I said, it's almost as if both of us are starting out to climb Mount Everest, but someone has a pack and the oxygen and whatever the fancy tent is in the sleeping bag. And the other one's barefoot with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? <laughs> in a knapsack. And yet we feel like we should hit the end goal at the same time. And what she looked at is the disproportionate burden of women in society. So the amount of times that we are assaulted, whether it's just a smack on the ass or living with a partner where your very health and safety is in danger, right? She looks or at- Or your breasts groped in an elevator at a Las right? Vegas event, which happened to me by somebody I knew. Right. All And-, and the data shows it's far more prevalent than we even thought, right? Because of the not reporting. So she's like, and yet we don't give ourselves grace for that. And we don't give ourselves grace for the fact that the pay gap from the moment we start working means we are always behind. Or the valuation gap, if you run a company where you're looking for angel or investing. So long story short, what she said is the challenge is we want to hold ourselves to the same standard so what she asked women to do, and I thought this was brilliant, she um, she has a list of all the, you might call them co-occurring conditions to use medical language. She's like, I want you to look at that list and I want you to tell me how many boxes you checked. And then let's talk about why we're not crossing the finish line at the same time. So, you know, there's really two ways to address it. One is on a personal level, what can we change about how we are doing things? Like your great example of, okay, no perfectionism is getting in my way. Me too, right? Like me too. This is something I'm working on. Here's where I'm noticing. Here's what I'm changing. But then we also have to be making systemic changes, right? How can we, as women or anyone who identifies as female, how can we come together to move forward an agenda, whether that's fighting for equal pay or making sure we all have access to great mental health care or pushing back hard on the venture capital industry to make standards for how much they're going to invest in female founders. I mean, there's all kinds of things we can do. When we have those conversations, when we put it in context, right, then that success gap becomes, becomes not something we punish ourselves with, right? Like, don't use it to say, why haven't I? Instead, we look at that to say, okay, what are the hurdles? What are the challenges? Which ones could I address personally? Which ones do I need other women around me to address? Which ones do we have to fight to get society to address? But if we don't talk about them, then we, we carry this 
idea around that we should be able to achieve at the same level despite a, um, I call it the hunger game version of female entrepreneurship because that's how crazy these hurdles are. It's like a common language, a common statistic or whatever, not really statistic, that's the wrong word. But if, if businesses created a commonality for it is what I'm hearing you say, that it could make a, a major difference in the way everything is perceived and how things are allocated. Um, I have a lot of friends in the angel investing world, okay, especially in the tech, because we know I'm a right. geek and I, I know the tech world really well. And one of the things that they say to me is, is it really that women aren't getting the funding or is it that when you look at the percentages of the number of women pitching to get funding, it's still so much significantly smaller that the language we're using to do the math doesn't skew right. And she's like, we need to look at all those different pieces to say, if only 10 women for every thousand men, then is the problem that the women aren't getting the funding or that in the grand scheme, there's not as many women. So how do we fix it and make it so that more women pitch? And yeah. I don't know the answer to that. And it's a complicated conversation. And the more I've done the reading, the more I've come to appreciate, which I love about your show, right? The nuanced questions, right? So there are some women that vehemently will argue this is not a pipeline problem. Women are starting businesses in record numbers. Um, if you talk to the women in the trenches who are looking for financing, they will say, you know, compared to a man, I'm, I'm getting shut, you know, even, even when they can check all the boxes. So someone like Jenny Thompson with a tech startup, Safety Pin Technologies, you know, successfully ran and grew multi-million dollar companies, has like everything that you could check that a VC would want to see and yet not getting traction, right? And she, of course, has many stories that go along with that. So she said something interesting to me, which is, she went down another question, which is, she said, now I want to know, I don't want to know just dollars. I want to know not just, you know, here's how many venture capital dollars women got versus men. I want to know the deals. Did you just do one big deal like with Bumble? And so now you can say, hey, 50% of our fund went to a female founder. She's like, right. yeah, that's a one rabbit study, as my friend used to joke. Yeah, that's right? a total unicorn study, too, yeah. on top of it, using she, the VC world. Right. Terms. But- the other thing that you brought up that's really interesting, so again, I love each of these gaps, multiple nuanced, multiple questions you can dive into. And so what happens is we, you're right, we've got to have these conversations to figure out what's the next step, what's the next action we would take. So there's a woman who looked at the pitch process itself and she discovered it was heavily biased against women no matter what she did, right? There's the study, the, the one that always gets my dander up, as my grandmother used to say, the exact same pitch narrated by a man versus a woman is more likely to be funded if the narrator, as Winnie the Pooh used to say, is a man. Right. So she 
came up with an interesting idea. She said, what if we removed the pitch process? What if I basically make this all analytics driven and then the big reveal is actually after you've decided, like this is one of our potential top two investments, then I'll let you know that it was actually, you know, a woman behind curtain number one and not a man. So if you, if you use the data to ask the questions like you do, then the solutions can get really interesting like, Oh, what if you pitch at the end instead of the beginning? What if basically I'm like, you know, that that uh, business plan that you guys just loved that you were all over like butter on a roll. Let me tell you, that was a woman. Right. And then they're like. And now all the objections are gone. Right. You can't. Right. Jenny Thompson had this great line. She said um, she had so many great lines. She's salty. I love her. She said, don't ever give them an exit ramp. Because they're looking for an exit ramp. So we have to be beyond perfect not to give an exit ramp. And I think that kind of challenge that we're facing is what we have to begin to pick apart. And, you know, venture capital is just like a teeny tiny piece. Women aren't going to banks for funding, right? Um, again, bias. But, you know, there's one area where we crush men when it comes to funding. Where? Crowdsourcing. Turns True. out people believe women are more trustworthy. So, you know, when you do like a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign, they're trusting you to do what you said you were going to do, right? Like either give them the thing or, you know, like if it's clothing that you're going to get the first bag or whatever the thing is, we perceive women as more trustworthy. So it's one case where bias works for us. We do better at Kickstarter and crowdfunding campaigns. When you're just describing all that, I flashed back to interviewing a journalist by the name of Jennifer Strong. She works for the MIT Technology Review paper, which is the uh, magazine that's the oldest technology magazine in the world, okay? It's over 100 plus years old. And she has, um, she hosts a podcast that is all about AI and machine learning. And I titled the article Strong Versus the Machine, right? Because <laughs> one of the things she talked about when I was interviewing her was this concept of how AI drives so much of the decision making, right? So before you ever get, if we're talking about the money key, right, which is all the financial stuff, before you actually get to those VCs, they've probably run most of your stuff through some artificial intelligence thing that says, okay, this will work, this won't work, whatever, right? Before you get to somebody, somebody's kind of clean through it, like they do resumes. And she did in her last season's episode, she actually created, because of course she's at MIT, right? So this right. stuff's really right. easy for them to get to. She created an artificial avatar of herself. So she's not her, but all of the behind the scenes it. is actually her. But it's the, the language cadence and the personification about how the AI reads it read more male and something else. And she passed through all of these gatekeeper yep. kind of levels. Yep. And then they're like, oh, wait, but you're not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. now because of that, they're realizing that so much of the artificial intelligence that's created in the world that is actually running stuff that people don't even realize saying, well, our business is successful because we have 
this kind of person in the CEO role, the CIO role, the CFO role, or these lower level staffing positions. And then that AI looks and goes, well, that person is male. They're in their 40s. They're and so it looks for a match. It, so it looks for that match because it's been successful, not knowing if it would be more successful right. to have something different. So when you look at that, how how do these growth keys of like money, leadership, growth, self-care, caregiving, and mentoring factor into how we can change the status quo that might be blocking greater success? You know, there's, I mean, it's a, it's a deep and wide question, both, right? <laughs> one, one of the things that, um, that I found interesting is we are collecting more and more data now on female founded companies. Um, so it's a whole nother issue how we've never split the data by gender, by race, by like often the data is all together. So in order to look at bias, right, we got to separate some of the data. So they're starting to look at data between female founders and male founders. And they're finding interesting things like, oh, they have better revenues in some studies. In other studies, they have a better return on investment, right? In other studies, they have better employee retention if they have more diverse uh, leaders, right? They have more employee happiness, right? Like all these factors. So part of it is they're like, you know what, maybe, maybe we just appeal to the fact, and I, I brought this up the other day, I said, you know, if you are in the role of a VC or a bank, you have a fiduciary duty, right? You have to sign, like if you sit on a board, and Laura, I know you sits on boards, you sit on boards also, you literally have to sign that you have a fiduciary duty to act responsibly, to manage with an idea towards the outcome. So if I can present you in theory, right, with enough data about the better performing, right, numbers on a female founded company, then you are actually violating your fiduciary duty if you are not investing in them, which then opens the door. You could either go after them legally. You could just sort of point out, right. hey, if you want to improve your return on investment. So it's a win-win argument at that point, right? Because I think sometimes I see a lot of bias expressed as this idea that, oh, we have to give them a chance, but that will hurt our overall numbers. If we, if we invest in more female founders, then our returns will go down or whatever that version is of allowing diversity, right? So the more data I think that we throw at them, that's one way to do it, right? Um, I think when I think about Again, I come back to what we said at the beginning. When you look at these systemic issues, you have to know what you're up against. Um, again, Jenny Thompson had a great thing. When she mentors people, she's like, I want you, when you walk into that venture capital pitch, to know what you're up against. I'm going to be blunt. I'm going to tell you what it's going to look like. I'm going to tell you, right? You know, like, be prepared. Know what, know what the biases are, know what the hurdles are so that you know what you're up against. Then I think the other thing is pull your own resources. Okay, knowing that, what do you need to do? And then also where you can, going into communities with other women who know what this is like, who can help you, right, by mentoring, mentoring you across that gap. 
because we share information just like the old boys do, right? We share it with each other. We talk about what works and what doesn't. We talk about our experiences and that helps another woman in the same situation to succeed. One of my good friends who I recently introduced you to on LinkedIn, Janet Shine, she's in the tech world. She helps support what we call the channel. So the vendors to the people that resell all their products, a big proponent of mentoring, of saying, you know what, I may have been the senior VP or the channel chief or um, the, the CEO of a major corporation, but that doesn't get rid of my responsibility and want from her heart of forgetting everybody else along the way. It's like, you can't. There's people you need to lift up and bring. And I've seen her just stop everything she's doing to help some other woman in the channel or not even in the tech world. Just somebody reached out to her and said, I'm struggling and you've been so successful. Can you give me 30 minutes of your time to just help me with my thinking around right. whatever's happening? And she will drop you know, whatever she can, you know, she'll right. okay, I have time right. here. Let's, let's spend the time to do it. And it's made a huge difference, right? I mean, I've mentored tons of people along the way, people starting businesses, people selling businesses since I've sold a business successfully, people who want to be authors, people who want to start a podcast or be on broadcast, whatever they want to do. But it's not that easy, right? I mean, I was just listening to what you were talking about with, um, you know, the data and Jen and some other people, the founder of Bumble, she mentors a lot of people. That mentoring relationship is not just about having a conversation with somebody, though, is it? That lifting up. Yeah, you know, I think the mentoring model is changing dramatically, which is one of the things we talk about a lot. So for years, we had this idea of a top-down, I would say, guru-based. I used to call it the yoga, the Yoda model of mentoring, right? This be-all, knowing uh, person who is going to, creature, yes, right, <laughs> on your back right on your back, telling you exactly what to do. I mean, imagine that. Remember when he's sitting on Luke's back and he's telling him step-by-step step what to do. The, the truth is it doesn't, that's not scalable. We know after the hashtag MeToo movement, the few men who were mentoring women, many of them stepped back. So we lost even more mentors because they were afraid of a false accusation, a backlash, whether it makes sense or not, that's the fact. That's what Lean In found out, right? Their research shows. So we have fewer mentors willing to mentor women at the highest level who are men. And most of the people at the highest level, like it or not, 17 to 1, right, are still men. So if you're relying on this top-down model, the chances of you even getting to someone, getting them to agree to mentor you, right? And the other piece of it, the idea that they would be all-knowing, that they would be this Yoda, right? Well, I know some things about some things and absolutely nothing about others. Like, Laura, you can testify. If you come to me for mentoring in tech, you are in a world <laughs> of hurt, right? A world of hurt. 
So again, the idea of this all-knowing being is kind of going away. And instead, what we're replacing it with is two models, which I like. One is by Dr. Kelly Ann Rockmore. She created it at the university level. She calls it network mentoring. So instead of going to someone and saying, save me, tell me, you go with a specific ask, just like your example. Could I have 15 minutes about this topic, right? So I came to you in the very beginning and said, I have to evaluate the platform we're going to use for mentoring. This is not my strong suit. I don't know how to make this decision. Can you give me some mentoring? Right. And that's how I pulled you in around how to make this that decision. sucked in. You got sucked in uh, about like what platform to use. Like I, you can build a map of your gaps. Where are you lacking? Where do you need mentoring? But instead of looking for the holy grail of one person to fulfill all that at the highest level, who's going to be your mentor for life, you instead start to fill in piece by piece. Oh, that's something I can ask Laura about. But then there might be another gap and I might go um, like Angie Colee recently came on our team because she has so much experience with Jeff Walker running launches and we're in the middle of a launch. I'm like, hey, Angie, could you come mentor through the right? So whatever those pieces are, you think of it as the best person for that piece. The other model, um, and this is research out of Lean In also, they found that one way around this men don't want to mentor young women because, oh, what if I get falsely accused? One way around that is to stop the idea of top down because that is a power position. And instead, they're encouraging men and women to mentor each other. So a young woman might mentor a senior executive male on what her reality, her situation is like, how she perceives the company, things that would make her feel, right? Like she can mentor this way, almost around her experience, diversity, what, what he is missing. And he can mentor this way around skills, maybe around introductions to other um, senior executives who might help her. But it's not seen as this, father figure or even a rescuing of a damsel in distress it's seen as a partnership and that kind of takes some of that toxic power i would say out of the equation so i think when it comes to mentoring we have to be willing to expand our definition and look for new and different models for the world that we find ourselves in today i remember when oprah first met maya angelou she was at an event, and this is before Oprah became Oprah, <laughs> as she's known, right? And she just said to Maya Angelou, who she just loved and worshipped kind of thing, can I have 10 minutes of your time? I just have a few questions to ask you. And at the end of the 10 minutes, she said, I'm done with my 10 minutes. I want to thank you for my time with you. She didn't get all of the questions answered that she wanted, but she had only asked for 10 minutes and Maya was, they became lifelong friends, um, yeah. like mother, daughter, but beyond that, because of that respect of somebody's time, respect of somebody's knowledge. Mm -hmm. And this idea that I just, I have a question. Can I just get that answered right. and not trying to take more advantage of right. it? Right. And, and sometimes, you know, that 10 minutes is it and it's done. You know, I've interviewed some crazy level people who I went, wow, I never want to talk to that person again. 
you know, um, I, I've had the the honor of being asked to interview people live on stages in front of thousands of people. And I watch a person behind the stage. And then I watch them when all of a sudden they're on stage and the way they treated me backstage and front stage mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I was doing them a massive favor by doing something. It's like, okay, where is the authenticity in the person? So is important. this somebody that we need to continue to keep in that role? So when somebody's finding a mentor, right, you, you're thinking this is the person I need because they're, their persona in the world, their perception in the world is that they are the person you want to talk to. <laughs> right. Um, guru. The, you know, like in the case of Oprah and Maya Angelou, they were right. really authentic human beings in the world. I've never met Oprah, but I know people who have worked with her and said she is the same back of the room as she in front of the room. Mm -hmm. How does somebody reconcile that and determine perhaps in advance or maybe you can't that who you're reaching out to may not be or is the right person did that question make sense because i think it's it really me, critical to the conversation it made me think of a couple things um so two things I'm, i'll try to remember them both so the first is i think the best example i see of co-mentoring that works with such graciousness around finding, leaving, choosing the right person comes from the 12-step community. So in the 12-step community, the word is sponsor, and you will request someone to be your sponsor. It's an okay, ask. And just step back for people that not, may not be familiar with the 12-step. That's like Alcoholic Anonymous, Al-Anon, right, um, right. Narcotics Anonymous, those kind right. of programs. Eaters, right. Any kind of, yeah, okay. of the 12-step community. And What's amazing about that community, I'm being very careful because we also have a, um, we don't promote, right? So I'm, so I'm being careful in my language. But what is fascinating about that community to me is that um, there is, it is a long standing tradition, right? It's been very successful, you know, across the globe. So the idea is you ask someone, right? You see them being authentic, doing work in a way you want what they want. That's what attracts you to them. You ask them, but there is an understanding up front. They may say no. They may say, I'm sorry, I don't have time right now. They may say, I don't feel right. Like what, that it's acceptable to say no. And that then you would move on and ask someone else. Right. The other standing they have is it's acceptable to decide at a certain point that kind of you've gotten what you needed from that person and that there's this other thing coming up and you might want someone else now. A friend of mine um, has a, a son in recovery. And so when he started out, he had a sponsor who he really loved that got along great, but that sponsor had no children. And at a certain point, he was like, all my conversations were kind of about what was going on with my son. And I was feeling like I needed someone with some lived experience with a child in this situation, even though they might have experience with a spouse, there were just enough differences. And they bring it up, they talk about it. Yeah, I think maybe that's, yeah, maybe you need to find a different right. sponsor. It is so gracious in the, in the offer, in the ask, in the shifting. And I think that's the model that I aspire to, right? That you could say to a woman, would you have some time? I would love some mentoring around this. I want what you have, right? I see what you've got. I'd like to emulate that. And that 
that woman could graciously say yes or no based on her time. And that then you could hear that, right? And then recognize that's not the only person and then move on and find someone else. The idea of asking someone to mentor you is this point of vulnerability because it starts by you saying, I don't know the things. I don't know this thing. And I now I can see that it's a gap, right? Because you got to see the gap. So you start by seeing the gap, knowing you need some help with that gap, and then being willing to ask another woman to share her advice with you about that gap. And that's a vulnerable place to be in. And what you have to do next is when she does say yes, you have to listen. And this can be a challenge for all of us because it's one thing to see that you've got a shortfall in some areas, but it is really hard on your ego, speaking from my own experience, when someone goes, um, yeah, you got an issue here. Let me talk to you about it. And you're going to want to go, but not really, but I, right? Like you're going to want to defend yourself, right? And it's, you got to remember, I asked them to mentor me for a reason. I need to listen because clearly they're doing this thing better than I am. So I'm guessing they have learned something, maybe not about everything, but about this thing that I need to know. They know more than I do. And I need to just be quiet and ask. I love that. So did you cover the two things? I can't remember what the other one was. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back around to me. It'll come back around to me. But I truly, I mean, I, they say sponsoring, not, not, um, not mentoring, but I have learned there is so much grace in that model. And it's a co-mentoring model from the beginning. It's been a co-mentor. There are no professionals there, right? Everything is co-mentoring in that community. And it's very powerful. And I think we could all practice some of those rules. Oh, I thought of what I was going to say. Okay. So the other thing is, and this comes from my uh, good mentor and friend, Mary Pierce Brosmer. She's the founder of Women Writing for a Change, a women writing community in Cincinnati. She talks about the container. So too often, we don't have that conversation before we begin in a mentoring relationship. And um, our friend Ravi Gundlapale at MentorCloud has been really good about pointing out you must have the conversation first. So there's the work, and then there's the container in which the work happens. So in this instance, the work is the mentoring, and the container is the ways in which we're going to do the mentoring. And it can be as simple as, um, okay, we're going to meet every Thursday for half an hour for one month to work on this topic. And we both agree that that's how this is going to go. Now, the other part of it could be the how it will happen. So to go back to the 12-step community, we have a rule. There's no prescribing. So I wouldn't say, Laura, if you want to get better at hang gliding, you know what you really need to do, right? Instead, I say, and I've never gone hang gliding in my life, but just imagine I have. I would say, um, so Laura, when I decided to jump off the cliff and go hang gliding, I realized it was really important that the safety harness was on. <laughs> Whatever that is, right? And then I'm going to tell you like my story. Like, because when I forgot it one time, I ended up in the rose bushes. It didn't end well. And you're going to take what you like and leave the rest. Right. Because no matter how well I know you, how close of a friendship we have, how much we have shared, you are still the curator of your experience. So you get to choose what you take on board and what you don't with the caveat 
that if you came to me to ask for advice on this thing that I do, you have to be open, right? Open to hearing maybe what worked for me, even if it doesn't seem like something you would do or the way you would do it. Because again, you asked that mentor because you saw the gap. You saw the gap. And I think one of the best ways to mentor is to stay in our own lived experience. So to begin with, I cannot tell you what to do, but let me tell you what I did when I found myself in a similar situation. And then they just listen to your story and they can take what they like and leave the rest. That's, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And it made me think of an example recently. Um, you know, I've successfully published a book, hit all the top lists for years, you know, and I've been called a book whisperer by a bunch of people in the industry because I can look at a manuscript and go, you know, make some corrections here, here, right. consider this thought process. And, you know, a lot of those books have become really big books. So some friends always want me to kind of look at their manuscripts. And this one person said, I'd really love it if you'd look at this manuscript. And I, I always say to them, are you wanting me to look at your manuscript because you want me to give you an endorsement? Because I get that a lot. Right. Or are you wanting me to look at it for proofing, like copy, you know, right, find right. a mistake in it? Or do you want my honest opinion <laughs> on the book, the topic, right. how it reads and everything? And this particular person was like, no, I want your really honest opinion. Well, I gave it in language that, like you just said, you know, here's from my perspective right, right. and my experience of what I've seen. And she hated what I said because the book was a really, really negative book. And she said, well, other people really liked it and they can relate to it. I said, well, they could relate to it because you basically were just spewing everything that was horrible, but you never took them out of that. You left them in the dark place. You left them in the dark place. And perhaps it was very cathartic for you, but if you want this to be a very successful book for a long time, I recommend that you talk about who you became as a result of that yeah. and what came out of the, the, that yeah. place for you and this other relationship. Well, she keeps sending me emails saying, well, no. <laughs> and I'm like, like, why did you ask me in the first place? This is why I asked the question before this relationship yeah. and this thing started yeah. of what are you looking for me to talk right. to you about? Because then right. I make a decision, do I or don't I? And hey, Belinda Weaver, who's watching us hey, live hey, right hey, now. Belinda. Another great mentor in the Mentoress Collective, along with Laura. I am really lucky to have such amazing mentoresses with me. So I think so as we you were saying, it's really important to define what that relationship is from yes. both sides. You know, do you want me to be honest or do you want me to just sort of lift you up because it's a different it's okay kind of conversation for either one. That is such a good point, Laura. Um, so another rule that Mary used to give, and this applied to writing, which made me think of it. So in women writing for change, Mary Pierce Brosmer used to have some other rules, which I loved. One was you can invite feedback like your friend did with you, right? Hey, would you do this 
and she required that you framed it in the same way. Here's how I want you to give me feedback. And there were as many choices as you wanted. You could say, mm -hmm. I just want you to write down the feelings you have as you're reading it. This is a great copywriting tip, right? Just write the feelings in the margins as you notice them, right? Um, it, it could be anything you want. It could be, I don't know, what food do you think of when you read this piece? So anyway, you could ask for any feedback you wanted and you could always change your mind. So if you are self-aware enough, and this happens to any creative, I think, when someone starts to give feedback and I literally am noticing I can't hear this, and this sometimes happens between one of my great mentors, David Deutsch, a fantastic copywriter, he would be um, giving me a lot of feedback. I would have asked for it and I would realize that I didn't have enough emotional distance from the copy yet and that I was getting stressed out and I was getting more and more defensive. And I have literally stopped him mid-sentence and said, David, wait. I realized I'm not ready for this yet. I can't lean into it. My brain is just going, I just spent three weeks on this copy. I cannot go back and rethink that. Like, I am not ready. I need to change the rules of this. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I need 24 hours. I'm not in a place to hear this because I don't want to waste his time, right? Another situation we've had, which was great, which was mentoring, is I would say to him, hey, can we brainstorm? And David would say, yeah, that sounds great. But he is such a um, great thinker of objections, which is one reason why he is a killer copywriter, right? So I'd be like, it'd be like I said, David, you know, I'm thinking we should have peanut butter and jelly for lunch, but let's brainstorm some other sandwiches. What do you think? Before I could get him to brainstorm, he'd say, well, you know, peanut butter has a lot of calories. Like, um, well, you know, we only have the chunky kind left. Well, you know, the jelly's going to fall. Like he would be going through this whole thing. I'd be going, no, I don't want to evaluate the choices. I want to talk about the 12 different sandwich choices we should have on the platter. I don't want to talk about why peanut butter and jelly isn't the right one. And I would have to kind of redirect to say, right. this is the kind of feedback I want. And then he would go, oh, right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so we're not in evaluating mode. We're in brainstorming mode. Same thing with mentoring. You can say, here's how I want feedback. You can realize you're not ready for that conversation yet. Another great um, mentor in the Mentoress Collective, Monica Day, taught me something I use a lot with my mentees. When you get close to that tender point where you're going to have to address something, and you know that person, you can sense they're feeling a little bit of resistance. You can say, I'm sensing some resistance around talking about this. Do you want to lean into this or would you rather take a break? And we can come back to it later or you can choose not to come back to it at all. In other words, you can say stop. Like, I'm not ready to talk more about this right now or I'm not ready to dig into this. I thought I was, but I'm not. And again, you are taking responsibility for your own experience. And if you choose to say yes, then it's forcing you to commit, yes, I'm ready for this. I want to listen, right? So um, those have helped me a lot, set the boundaries in the container, and then even change them when you're in the relationship, right? I mean, it's a relationship. It's not going to be the same on day 12 as it was on day one. It's just not. And, and Angie Coley jumped in during that conversation we're having to say that um, she loved, you know, she loved the conversation around, you know, clarifying, asking for feedback with her clients. She found that's worked really, really successfully. So we're, we're starting to get towards the end of the show. We still got some time left and everything. But 
I, I want to talk about the event that you're doing and the work that you're doing. You founded the Mentorist Collective, formerly known as the Titanides, and you're running an event that's coming up next week called Closing the Success Gap. I and for those that, away. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those that have been watching the, the live stream with the video or, or watching it recorded with the video, you've seen at the bottom of the screen, I put up the, the URL, which is closingthesuccessgap.com. This is a conversation that I've never, not really seen anybody in all the, the summits and all of the events talk to this specific event. Tell us about the event and how people can join. And it's completely free. Yep. It's and, a generosity and, from all of us and all of our all of our presenters. It's a generosity. Okay. Because as we talked about earlier on the conversation, women want to pay it forward to other women by sharing their wisdom, their mentoring, opening the doors. And so I just feel I really do feel blessed to be the vehicle to allow them to pay it forward, right? I mean, nobody said no. Nobody said no. I just reached out. I reached out to people I didn't even know through like third degree connections to say, hey, I've seen this thing you're doing. I think it can really help with this gap. Would you mind? You know, Nicola Corzine, the founder of the NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center through our friend Yasmin said, oh, of course I would love to come talk about what I think that we can do. So what I tried to do is something that I do in the Mentoress Collective all the time. I tried to combine what I know as my lived experience with the research, right, both on what are the gaps and what is the, some of the same things we talked about in the venture capital conversation earlier, what will help us move forward. So this event started with a meltdown of my own of saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I just have to throw in the towel. I don't think I can get to the next level in my business, like the tissues under the blanket, in the bed, all the things. And then it was a tsunami of responses from other female entrepreneurs saying, uh, I felt like that my first three years. Oh my God, I'm in that place right now. I know just how you feel. I feel like that every other Thursday, right? followed by a woman who said to me, Mary Pierce Brosmer, who said, Marcella, you forget the context in which you are trying to do this. You are not recognizing the hurdles or the barriers that women face. It's that conversation I had with Laurel Ann Stark. You are measuring yourself by the same yardstick and you are in entirely different fields, right? You aren't even on the same field. Right. That's what sent me to the research to say, what are these hurdles? Because if I don't know what I'm facing, it's naive to go in and, you know, to go in and prepared. Then once I saw the research, the next step would say, okay, what are the women already working on this? Because again, I'm not about competition. I'm about cooperation. And I believe there are as many seats at this table as chairs that we want to pull up. So that means Inviting all these other women and experts to speak does not diminish my expertise. And in fact, my expertise is in bringing these experts together and then getting a coalition that can help sponsor and lift other women up. So that's really what I wanted at this event. I wanted to know who's working on these gaps, who is addressing these issues. So, you know, Laurel Ann Stark is building an app to deal with the 
the co-occurring mental health and other issues for female uh, founders. You know, Jenny Thompson is coaching women on how to walk into a venture capital meeting and not be eaten by sharks, pun intended, right? We've got um, Belinda is speaking, right? And talking about her lived experience as someone who has to learn how to balance, I, I hate that word, right? But how to find a way to put herself first, to take care of herself, right? In order to be able to take care of her business, to grow her business and, and stop doing all the things, right? For everyone right. in her family, right? And her talk is, is amazing. Oh my God, I love it. It's funny, it's real. Angie is speaking, right? And Angie is talking about what it's like to really risk um, risk growth, right? When it would be so much easier to stay in your safety zone. And what happens when you risk that growth? What is your mind going to start to tell you? What are the feelings you're going to experience? Like, how can you walk through that immediate reaction that goes, oh, wouldn't it just be easier to play it safe, right? Because if we do that, then our businesses don't get bigger, then we don't get bigger, then we then we can't grow. Oh, Belinda, I love that. Work-life harmony. That is the best. And then, right. of course, Laura, you're sharing what I think is a fabulous lesson about what happens when you're trying to grow, to sell, to move your business forward, and you're going to hit a hurdle like we all hit. And it was a pretty epic hurdle, right? <laughs> But if you can get out of your own way and ask for help, something else that we really struggle with as women, right, then, right, you can get past that block. Too often, we turn back because we don't, we think we're alone, we don't ask for help, we don't want to take the risk, uh, we're too busy doing all the things for everyone else but ourselves, and we turn back. And if we keep turning back, then we are never going to close the success gap in any kind of numbers between the number of businesses started and sustained by men versus women. Right. And one of the things I share in, in my presentation for for the Closing the Success Gap event was what's the one most important thing that I've found that can help you grow your business and make it ready for sale in addition to my best and worst moment, which is a very <laughs> I love that. interesting. I, I'm glad you got to watch it because you haven't told me yet what you thought about it. So oh, I'm I was up really till 1 a.m. last night. I binged. It was like my Netflix binge of all of the presentations. I all love right. So that. how do people find the event? We've got the website, um, yep. closingthesuccessgap.com. When they, they sign up, they get something. Yes. So when you sign up, we took all the research. So I, in copywriting terms, problem solution. So we give you the definition of the hurdles and the problems so that you know very clearly what you're up against. So you can download the research report. It's just called Closing the Success Gap for Women in Business. It will give you just a survey of the landscape, not even extensive, right? This is sort of what I could do in two months of here's the hurdles that women are facing and here's the data on uh, male versus female entrepreneurs and freelancers. What does this gap look like? Because you can't go across it if you don't even know where you're walking in the dark, right? Right. Then the event itself is inviting women uh, five, about five per day. Some days we have more, some days we have less addressing each one of these gaps. We're going to go in and out in 90 minutes because as Angie Coley pointed out, we are really 
busy. If you are a female founder, you are doing all the things. So 90 minutes, noon to 1.30 Eastern, we're going to have the replays available because again, women are doing all the things. So come on your lunch hour, participate as you can, watch after the kids are in bed. If you don't have kids, watch whenever you can, right? We're going to share uh, the solutions. So, and these are all female speakers who understand these gaps, who are actively building, working, coaching, mentoring across these gaps. Because as I say all the time, we all rise together. These gaps are too big for any one of us to get across, right? We got to build a bridge of women to get across these. Dates for the event? Starts on October 28th, runs all the way through November 1st, and each day we'll be streaming live and we will also have replays available. And again, if you just go to closingthesuccessgap.com, uh, that's the page where you're going to get all the goodies all the way through. So uh, go there, get your report, kind of get a, a feel for the landscape, and then get ready for some amazing solutions from some really great women like the three we have here and uh and many of the others we've mentioned on the call you know laurel ann stark the uh head of the nasdaq entrepreneurial center nicola corzine um jenny thompson founder of safety pin technologies i mean i could go um i could go on and on we've got some um Oh, Dr. Camille Wardrop, who is um, one of the top women at NASA. Oh my God, her story is amazing, amazing. I just, it gets chills. Just watching them gives me chills. I'm just so excited for it all. To and and it's real true sharing. People are sharing from, from their heart and their soul on all of this. And um, the 90 minutes that you'll participate in, everybody who's watching, it's not selling anything. It's nope. just information transfer. <laughs> and everyone, almost everyone brought a resource, right? So, you know, um, sometimes uh, it's a report. Sometimes it's um, Nicola Corzine has got like a wealth of stuff she's sending us from NASDAQ. So there's just um, tools, right? Lots and lots of tools, but the whole thing is free. So both the speakers are speaking for free and the tools they're giving away are free. That's awesome. All right. So once again, the dates of the event. Starts October 28th, runs through November 1st, five days, 90 minutes uh, that, as Angie reminded me, have changed some lives pretty dramatically in the Mentoress Collective. And I'm fully expecting the same thing will happen because as we know, right, this kind of mentoring, this kind of um, specific gap-focused mentoring is what is missing so often for women in business to help them move forward. And so we are all about delivering all the mentoring to move you across these gaps. I love it. So again, everybody, you're going to go to closingthesuccessgap.com and sign up and you'll get emails when new things are posted yep. and you can go to the landing page and download the report. It's readable. It won't put you to sleep. I promised I'm a copywriter. I didn't write it like a researcher. <laughs> in fact, full disclosure, I am not a PhD researcher, right? This is me reading the studies and making sense of them for myself, right? As a woman in business, what does this mean to me? What does this mean about how I want to change things? Yeah, it was quite eye-opening when I read the report when you were first putting it all together. Marcel, last thoughts that you want to leave with my my listeners? Um, anything that I didn't ask you that I wished I that you wished I had asked you? 
No, you know, the only thing that um, that I have just seen so deeply is gratitude. So I am just, I am incredibly grateful to all the speakers. I am incredibly grateful to the team, including you who have donated all of their time. It's over $10,000 in waived fees and salaries to put this on uh, to the sponsors, to the women who've given $10 to the women who've given $10,000. I mean, literally, um, this is a grassroots movement, as Angie was saying yesterday. This is when I said, had that meltdown and I said, I don't think I can do that. I can't do this, right? I can't do this anymore. What happened is an army of women showed up. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Here, what can I take off your plate? What can I help with? Here, take $10. Here are Carlene Anglade Cole, right? Top copywriter. I didn't get through the phone call. She's like, I'm just sending you 5,000. We'll figure out the sponsorship later. I know that if you pay it forward with generosity, it's going to come back tenfold. Like, go do the thing. And so for me, it has been the greatest challenge of my life to stand in this much generosity and just say, it's not about me. It's about all the women we can help. It's about all the women we can serve. Just say yes. Just accept the help and be grateful. Which is what the Mentors Collective that you founded is all about. It's where it stands in the world. So, Marcella, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for Coming having back me. On. Thank you oh. for all of our mentoresses who showed up. I love you guys. Yeah, it's so great to have the chat going on in the stream while we're doing some different things. So, um, Marcella, I'm going to be talking to you a lot more as, as this event <laughs> goes on and stuff like that. I know we we'll are. We'll sleep sometime in between there. Right. Auntie's going to require us to sleep. <laughs> Belinda's going to remind us we have to sleep, right? Right, exactly. Oh God, I love exactly. it. And for those who've watched the show for a while, you know that I've had both Belinda and Angie on That's my show. That's right. That's right. Because they're, they're just awesome women and individuals that I've, I've met. They're great people on the planet, which is who you are in the world, Marcella. So thank you again for being on the show and for putting on this event, closingthesuccessgap.com. Thank you. All right, everybody go over there. And I, I really encourage it, not just because I'm one of the speakers um, or that I've donated a ton of time to this event. Everything that Marcella talked about today, that we talked about today, about mentoring, co-mentoring, learning to ask for feedback, learning to ask for what your needs are, is what's going to be talked about at this event. But if you take nothing else away from today's conversation, it's this idea that we need to have the data but then we also need to understand how to interpret that information and how it applies to us. I hope you come to the event, Closing the Success Gap, and that you learn something from it. And I would love for you to share on social media or email me directly at laura at laurasteward.com your thoughts, your ideas of what you learned from today's episode. If you've had a great mentor, somebody that's helped you along the way, post on social underneath this video. That's everywhere um, I have social. And if you're listening on podcast, go find the show. It's all about the questions on social and, and tag us. Let us know your thoughts because mentors have made a massive difference in my life throughout my career and my personal life as well. At the end of the day, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. 
Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.